and welcome to Maths Talk, where conversations in maths become part of your professional learning. Today, I'm delighted to welcome the chair of the Aboriginal and Torres Straits Islander Mathematics Alliance, ATSMA, Professor Chris Matthews. Welcome, Chris. Hi, Leanne, and thanks for having me on. It's an absolute pleasure. Chris was very clear that he didn't want to be focusing his podcast on himself and his many achievements. But I think it's important that we are clear that he is definitely the go-to person when we're discussing maths education and its role in the Australian story. He was a senior advisor for ACARA for the National Mathematics Curriculum, working to include Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander perspectives in the curriculum. I'll put a link in the show notes for our listeners to become more familiar with Chris and his work, with a special focus on the talk he did for the AMSI Summer School entitled Mathematics and Culture. It was a fabulous talk and very, very enlightening. But for now, can you tell us, Chris, about ATSIMA, your role there, and its importance in maths education in Australia? Yeah, look, I might go against what I said I was going to do and actually talk a little bit about myself. Just because it gives a context of why ATSIMA exists, I think, as well. First of all, I just want to say I'm from the Kwanamuka people. That's in the, the Bay Islands off the coast of Brisbane, and the mainland is, is part of our traditional homelands as well. I'm sitting in my house, which is Nandibi for us, but also Cleveland, it's referred to, on a very cold and windy day, a bit rainy, which is nice because we had a lot of heat. So really exposed my story within doing ATSMA really is from my experiences through education as I grew up. I actually grew up away from my community in a place called Toowoomba, also cold and wet, and I won't go too much detail, but just say that Part of my educational journey is to really deal with racism and how teachers and peers sort of treated you as an Aboriginal person. And really the message you get from your education as an Aboriginal child growing up is that you've got to leave your Aboriginality behind. It's not going to be valued when you go outside and start any sort of profession. I'll just say too that the racism I'm experiencing, actually I focused my energy into learning a lot about computers at the time. So I was at high school from the early 80s and finished in the late 80s. And during that period was the time when computers were starting to become a household item, like the Commodore 64. I did focus on how computers work and how you do programming. But also, strangely enough, I was exposed to the connection between mathematics and computing where we were doing stuff like numerical integration and stuff like that on the computer, which I found interesting, which people find strange, but I found it interesting. So my love for mathematics was always there. I funneled my energies into doing maths and computing. I was a very average student in a lot of ways. And I suppose in some sense, I didn't really try to do that well, even in the maths courses I was in. I was just following an interest. But I, I did it well enough and I got a good score to get into university. So so that was my way of getting out of Toowoomba, my way of sort of finding out where I should be. So after that, I just followed my interest and cutting a long story short, ended up doing a PhD in applied mathematics and started my career as a mathematician. And even in my career, I was still confronted with that sense of Aboriginality, being a part of the mathematics community. And unfortunately, math sort of has this inherent, it doesn't want to know anything about people. It's just about the maths, yeah? It's, and But strangely enough, there were people who were still saying stuff like, it's amazing how some cultures advanced and got agriculture, which is sort of an underhanded sense that you come from this primitive culture and you don't really belong here. Mm. I did quickly respond to saying, well, 
the way you did have agriculture and you did have industry meant that you needed to have a working class or slaves. <laughs> so I was, I'll give him a bit of a backhanded slap as well. <laughs> but so just to show that culture is deliberate, it's not just about this notion of advancement. People develop culture with certain ideas and philosophies, yeah? And the way they want to see the world, the way they want to live in the world. And I suppose as an Aboriginal person, you sort of get taken away from what that meant for Aboriginal people. And you are told that you must become part of this system we're actually living in now, which from my personal point of view, it is more about exploitation than working with people. We exploit resources, we exploit people of a whole range of ways. So that there's a real need to shift that way we do things through the system we're currently living within. So I'm building up to why that's So really, when I was a mathematician, I didn't really want to be part of the maths community for a whole range of reasons. And I started to explore other ways of, being, of taking my skills forward. And also, there was, I felt a strong need to go back to working with my own people and also other Aboriginal communities across Australia. And education was one of those things that sort of fell in my lap. Like people were ringing me up, asking me whether we could become part of a maths education project and things like this. Mm. And even then, people were saying to me, like, how can you exist? Because all these stats say that Aboriginal people can't do maths, but you're a qualified mathematician. And I said, well, I do exist. And from that, really wanted to explore, because I knew Aboriginal kids are smart kids. There's no two ways about that. No matter what community they come from, they're actually smart kids. And kids are probably really dealing a lot more than they, they actually should, but they're very intelligent kids. So for me, this idea was we tend to put the educational gap on the communities and the kids rather than actually think that there is a systemic problem here. So I really want to look at what this systemic problem is. That was exactly what was going through my head. This Aboriginal kids can't do things is something that is imposed by society rather than something that is actually a fact. Yeah, exactly. So you're imposing your own expectations on these kids who, for example, there's communities where kids still grow up speaking their first language, but then in education, when they're quite young, we expect them just to flick to English and do everything within English, including NAPLAN as another sort of way that kids get measured. And from that process, Aboriginal kids learn that if they keep on failing the measures, then they're going to feel like they're always failing. That doesn't lead to a very positive education or uh, life learning for them and we still have the problem with a lot of Aboriginal kids uh, I believe and I struggled with this when I grew up is where do you fit in the world like where are you going to go who's going to accept you what are these things that you think you can do and without having to walk away from your community without having to walk away who you are as an Aboriginal person people are probably already out there saying but we have all these scholarships to be in the banks and the mines and the <laughs> but it's still not answering that thing about why would an Aboriginal person what is their career aspirations and where would they want to go and how do they connect with the education they're delivering? That's my vision is for all Aboriginal Australian learners is successful at mathematics. That's our vision. And really what I'm saying is that to meet that vision, we are looking at a ed mass education that strongly connects with the culture of the learner. So there is a whole range of ways to think about that, but that's where we are heading with what work that we are doing. Okay. Now, if our audience has had a look at the new Australian curriculum, and I'm sure we all have, they couldn't have failed to notice the inclusion of the cross-curriculum priority, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander histories and cultures. For too long, maths teachers have felt that this is something that can be left to the humanities teachers, but no longer. 
the priority states. In mathematics, students can engage with and value the histories and cultures of Australia's First Nations peoples in relation to mathematics. Content elaborations in mathematics have been structured around identified themes in Australian First Nations peoples, mathematical thinking, understandings and processes in contexts that can be taught across the content strand and through the year levels. They provide a rich, connected narrative by identifying contextual examples from around Australia. We'll get back to what this priority looks like in the classroom, but I'd like you to step back and talk to us about why it's important that this cross-curriculum priority is included in the study of mathematics in all Australian schools. The thing for me here is the reason I got involved in this work, for one thing I wanted to have, and also many other Aboriginal colleagues I've worked with, and non-Indigenous colleagues as well, was that there needs to be a space from the curriculum for Aboriginal communities and kids. Yeah, That's the first important thing for me. Because often education can be enacted through the curriculum in a way that will limit inclusion of Aboriginal people's culture within that. So what's really fundamentally important for me is to actually say to teachers that context and the culture of the kids are fundamentally important and it needs to be part of their education, whether it's math, science or anything else. And I think the cross-curriculum priorities is actually a step forward for this. The other piece for me is that we are living in a world where we're coming out of the notion of terra nullius, which... When Australia was colonised by the British, that was the doctrine it was settled on. So terra nullius, for people who don't know, is land belonging to nobody, So, or empty land really strictly in the Latin translation, which means that Aboriginal people weren't considered as a people within this country. And if that's our starting point, that's the starting point of the relationship between Indigenous and non-Indigenous people in Australia, which is not a good starting point. Plus, it has the impact that we often talk about where... Aboriginal people, there was attempted genocides, there were people pushed out into missions, there was that sort of displacement, disconnection of country. There's a whole range of stuff that happened to Aboriginal people underneath that doctrine. Because you don't have human rights if you're not considered a person. But the other part of that too is that non-Indigenous people had no way of understanding who Aboriginal people were because they pretty much the system denied their existence or at the very least said that Aboriginal people's culture and language are not relevant to a modern society. So that's the narrative that sits within that doctrine. So the other aspect I'm trying to get to here is that the reason you have the cross-curriculum priority in the mass curriculum and other areas in the curriculum is to start to strongly overturn that, to, to overturn the notion of terra nullius, to actually give students a better understanding who Aboriginal people are how they see the world, what knowledges that they had, how they taught their knowledges, a whole range of stuff that could be come through that to actually show that we weren't just a primitive people where there was actually a sophistication that sits behind it. I think it's important for our students to understand that. We're also moving into era where within in the science policy domain where it's becoming more clearer that to work towards sustainability in any form, there is a lot of policies that says you must work with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples to do this, or it's a good thing to do, because we were a sustainable culture. We actually sustained our existence on this continent for hundreds of thousands of years or so, whatever number you want to put on it. There's heaps of numbers that people put on it, but for a very long time anyway. So the essence of sustainability was built into the culture that we come from. The more we bridge the gap of 
misunderstandings, the better we're going to be to develop a relationship in the future that hopefully that we can move forward to, to deal with what we're confronted with. And I'm talking about things like the fires, the climate change, all that sort of stuff, the, the big stuff. So obviously there needs to be some sort of systemic change. What are your ideas regarding this systemic change? <laughs> Just a little question. Oh, that's a big question. So I'll also say that there is a breadth for Aboriginal people in culture as well, that the example of first language speaking communities is very important, but that is for them as well. We have communities trying to revive language at this point in time and revive culture. And there are also a lot of people who are still displaced as well that need to come home at some point. So there's a whole range of issues that sit within this. So I think it's going to be a long process to actually have systemic change. I think there's a good starting points with having the changes in the curriculum. ATSMA is trying to make their contribution or our contribution by looking at different ways of teaching maths that connect with Aboriginal people's culture, language and so forth. And hoping over time that builds a momentum towards a better education for all students. I will always contend too that the education we're advocating, where actually connects culture to mathematics, is about connecting people to the subject area. So there's a whole range of stuff that's really important for all of us to engage in and reconnect with what these knowledges mean for us and how we're going to enact in that world. And this is an important thing that a lot of people are frightened to do the wrong thing, say the wrong thing, be perceived as racist, and all this sort of stuff that comes out when you're sitting within this tension. The most important thing for any teacher, and I'll challenge teachers to do this, is actually sit down as a group and work through how Terranullius has affected education today within Australia. To actually see where your part is within that story and develop understanding why the curriculum that we're trying to do is fundamentally important because we're all part of this Australian story. It's about our relationship with each other and knowing that in the end we want to actually change what's been happening to move towards a better future for all kids. So I think for myself that is still the challenge because you will be doing the wrong thing probably And but the thing is you've got to say that's okay you actually got to work more with Aboriginal and Islander peoples as much as possible. There could be elders group near you, or there could be Aboriginal teachers in your in your school. There are Aboriginal education workers. All of those people you can be working with if you work respectfully. I think it's on us too, as adults, to model what this new relationship would be looking like to work positively to gather for that outcome of the kids. And one thing I will say also too is that at all the schools I go to, Aboriginal education workers aren't. Then for one thing, not paid probably for the work they do, but also teachers don't often realise who they are, what position they sit in the community, and what knowledges they hold and could be brought in to help teach mathematics. There's a reluctance to have that conversation, I think, in some form. And math, admittedly, is one of those hard ones because people get taught maths in a certain way, which is very abstract and disconnected, so the connections aren't necessarily sitting there at their fingertips. But if you step back into that more conceptual space and just have a general conversation, a lot of stuff starts to emerge where you can build those connections. So I suppose what I'm saying to you as teachers, your role is to understand where you sit within the system and then enact change. 
That sounds like a huge challenge and one that I really encourage people to look at. Now, you've led beautifully onto my next question. In your talk and monograph for the Victorian Education Department, Teaching Mathematics from a Cultural Perspective, you extol the virtues of students developing a conceptual understanding of mathematics. This takes us back to the quote from the cross-curricular priority I mentioned earlier. Can you talk about these contexts and the development of conceptual understanding in the classroom? Yeah, look, I was debating how to answer this question, but I might be a little bit controversial, maybe naughty. <laughs> oh, that's all right. <laughs> well, when I was doing the curriculum stuff, I was naively thinking that I could actually have the sort of freedom to put stuff in. But it came very clear to me that what was told to me in the end was that we have to include elaborations that all teachers understand. When they mean all teachers, they mean non-Indigenous teachers. <laughs> and and that to me, it was a bit of a slap on the wrist in some sense because I felt like if I didn't honour what potentially could be written in the curriculum, I was sort of feeling like I was leaving out a lot, lot of other communities just because they perceive the elaboration is difficult to understand by a non-Indigenous teacher. And if you think about the context I painted just before, it's almost crazy to say we rely on the knowledge of non-Indigenous teachers to know what elaboration to put in for Australian Aboriginal culture and so forth. It should be the other way around where we're actually delving deeply into Aboriginal culture, looking for mass connections, and then offer training later on for people that need understanding around that. So basically, I suppose what I'm trying to say here is that context becomes the sort of halfway point we said well if we can't do this other stuff then we'll just focus on context people were happy to see context um, because it's an obvious artifact it's obviously connected to aboriginal people it's an obvious stuff i mean there's nothing wrong with enacting all the stuff that, that's in those contexts there's a nice sort of one written there around the tasmanian people and their culture around shell necklaces which is a woman's knowledge as well they were sharing through this great resource called the orb that might be a good link we can put up as well the orb and really from what we did with that just to give you sort of an example is that we know that we engage kids in the idea of beating and patterning yeah or looking at repeated patterns and really what the opportunity then was to allow kids to see a part of culture for the tasmanian aboriginal people and they also I know the yellow color people do a lot of shell necklaces too. So there's probably more communities around Australia who do this as well. But particularly, they were telling a lot of stories through their patterning. So what you're getting is you're getting an understanding of patterning and how patterning works for young kids, but also get an opportunity for the kids to create something that's meaningful to them through a story. Rather than actually just doing two reds, three greens, two reds, three greens, and then probably throw it in a bin after the lesson, they've actually created something that tells a story to them but also in connection to the mathematics they're learning through patterning yeah so they're the sort of connections we were looking for when we we're doing these sessions and sometimes it doesn't come out very well because the elaboration is one sentence or maybe two so you don't necessarily see the meat in that yeah so there needs to be another piece that Akara I'm hoping will do and they did it for the science curriculum where they had these what they called teacher background information so I'm hoping they do something like that I suppose what is really important here too is that context can be done badly. But also I was saying before that if you go to that conceptual space, you can actually find stronger links with culture, whether it's Aboriginal culture or some other culture. 
because the concepts are the things that we're trying to communicate when we do a lot of our knowledge building, whether it's abstractions or some painting or whatever. It's the conceptual level where we're telling the stories. So building that connection from there is fundamentally important. And also what I say to non-Indigenous teachers, if what you need to sort of do as a litmus test almost is say to yourself, if I'm going to enact what I'm going to do in this classroom, is it really valuing Aboriginal and Islander people or not valuing? It's a simple test. I think what you're doing is valuing putting Aboriginal people in this positive light, talking about the sophistication of the culture or something like that. Whatever it is, as long as there's some value put on there. Because what I'm really trying to say that Terra Nullius is about devaluing culture. So we're moving away from this idea of devaluing to valuing. So if you're just putting a just a quick sort of wash over something, then that to me, that's not valuing. There has to be something within what you're teaching that delves deeply into what the culture is about and why it's important to the people for what you're teaching and where that knowledge sits, if you can. Yeah. And making that mathematical link, so like going back to the necklace, they'll get, get to the end of the lesson and they've got a lovely shell necklace. Mm. But it's really important to me that we actually take the mathematics out of everything that we mm. do. A lot of teachers would say, well, we've done patterns yeah. now. But do those students recognize that that is a mathematical concept and this is the maths within the yeah, concept? Yeah. So that's understanding and valuing the Aboriginal story the mathematical story and putting them together to say this is mathematics and oftentimes if you're telling a story that's connected to the world around you in some form whether it's about an animal or something the mathematical pattern actually matches the pattern that you're trying to model but there's animal behavior or colors on something whatever it is it could be anything and also you don't have to use shells to honor that sort of idea you can pick something else and long as you can make a pattern and tell a story through it then it could be something else yeah, it could be beads, it could be anything. And if you do watch the orb, there's a whole range of stuff around conservation of these shells, but knowing that climate change is happening and there's a decline in the shells, there's a whole lot of knowledge. As you've been talking, I've got the website. I'll put that in, in the show notes. I've got a relationship with the Yidakala Community School in Arnhem Land. They actually set, set a vision called the Garama Living Mathematics. And what that means is that well, sorry, who set that vision was actually Mandavoy Yunupingo, who was the lead singer of Yothi Indy. And I'm finding that most people don't know who that band is anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> well, that's okay. And he was a trained teacher, but also the first Aboriginal principal at that school, or, or in their language, the first teacher in that school. So he set this vision of Garama Living Mathematics. And basically, his vision was to make sure that, that the students at Yiraka were centered well and had a strong understanding of their culture and their language and or everything that is part of that, which is actually song and dance and patterning is another thing that's part of that, that tradition. There's a whole range of stuff that's in connection to the mass curriculum. And he set their vision that they want to be strong within their culture, but also understand what this other culture from overseas knowledge was brought here by them. So they use this metaphor of saltwater, freshwater, where the freshwater is younger knowledge of this country and the saltwater is from overseas. And there's a particular place on their country where they meet and create sort of like a whirlpool. Um, and from that emerges sort of new ideas. They don't become something different. They still spot saltwater, freshwater, but there's an emergence of something else. Anyway, as part of that sort of philosophy, he was really looking deeply about what are the connections between these two knowledge systems 
And he said the closest connection was mathematics. So he worked with academics and Deacon, I think it was the university, and they started working on this connection between mathematics and the younger version of that, which is called the Urutu, which is the kingship system. Now, it's pretty hard to explain over a podcast, but there is an amazing amount of complexity within Aboriginal kingship systems. And they, they did exist across the whole of Australia before colonisation. And they're, they're practised in their own forms in different communities, depending on the level of colonisation that existed or the impact that colonisation had on it, I should say. But if you delve into the complexity of that, then you start realising that Aboriginal kids in these communities are actually thinking through what in group theory is an Albelian group. And so they've actually been defined. So there are young kids thinking through this complex system to know how they're related to people within their community, but also how they're related to everything around them, which is the sky, the plants, the animals, the country and everything. It's an amazing way of thinking of the world that you are personally connected to everything, not as I have the right to own everything, but as a knowing that you have responsibility for care for that. That was a totally different way of thinking. But what, I'm, what is interesting is that the kingship system is an algebraic structure, which I already said through group theory, is an Albelian group. So it's, a, it's an algebraic structure. And these kids are already thinking in these lines. And that's why that old fellow, Mandawa Yunapingu, said that's our version of mathematics. It's about right. relationships, about connections, but it's also about a complete system within itself. So if you start thinking about these kids understanding this from a young age and then they experience a non-Indigenous teacher coming to their school and ask them to count to 10 in English, it's such a disjoint between those two ways. Of Absolutely. So there is, for me, the yeah. gap that we talk about, the educational gap is not a intelligence gap. It's actually a cultural gap that needs to be overcome. Mm. And I'm still working on ways of bringing the good or two into teaching teaching of maths and I think there's a whole stuff you can do in teaching algebra through, through that system obviously because there's an algebraic structure and I think there's an exciting time to see how this would go within that community and for other communities later on and also as non-indigenous people in Australia we should start to get an appreciation for these systems and the fact that they exist I'd even go as far as they're probably one of the the great wonders of the world that that sort of thing because they're amazing structures and they're really at the heart of the sustainable culture of, of Aboriginal peoples. And I think that we could make some links to, to for people to do some more reading around that to have a look. But I just wanted to reference that and know that there is a wealth of complexity within Aboriginal way of thinking of the world and something that we should all sort of get to understand and know. There is some Teacher Magazine article I did a while back about that. Just search my, me as author in Teacher Magazine and you'll get three articles which are all sort of connected anyway. Well, that's all we've got time for today. I'd like to say thanks so much to Chris for taking the time to speak to us. It's been so enlightening for all of us and there is so much more to talk about. So I really hope to see you again, Chris. Yeah, and thank you for having me on today. Thank you for letting me share my views. And really what I'm hoping is that we will work together towards a better future for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander kids, but also all of our kids. Thank you so much, Chris. If you'd like to contact Chris or find out more about what Atsima do, go to their website. I'll put all of the links up in our show notes and that'll give you a chance to sort through and find out some more about some of the vital 
information that I've discussed with Chris today. On another note, Chris is going to be working with us in our rewrite of the ISAM textbooks. So there's something else for you to look forward to. We are committed to including Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander perspectives and cultural links in our textbooks as part of the national curriculum. Have a look at the textbooks as they stand now and keep an eye out for the new ones as they come out in the future. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Bye.